Thank you for joining the inaugural podcast in our Government Contracts Classroom Series presented by Kroll & Mooring. This podcast series will cover a wide range of topics relevant to government contractors and provide training and information designed to help you navigate the complexities of government contracting. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the Department of Justice's new Procurement Collusion Strike Force, and we'll be answering some of the most common questions we've received since the strike force was announced. I'm Megan Wolf, a counsel in Kroll & Mooring's Antitrust Group, and I'll be moderating today's session. With me are Gail Zirkelbach, a partner in our government contracts group, and Dan Zelenko, a partner in our antitrust group and former federal prosecutor. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Gail, as a level set, can you explain to us what exactly the PCF is and who does it include? Sure. Thanks, Megan. The PCSF is an interagency partnership between prosecutors from the Department of Justice Antitrust Division, 13 U.S. Attorney's Offices, FBI investigators, and the OIGs from the Department of Defense, the GSA, and the Postal System, whose goal is to combat antitrust violations and procurements, grants, and program funding at the federal, state, and local level. And interestingly, just yesterday, the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, OIG, announced that it was going to partner with the PCF as well to combat similar violations on its programs. It remains to be seen if other similar offices will also partner with the PCSF. The stated goal of the PCSF is to increase significantly the prosecution of antitrust crimes committed in connection with government contracting at any level, to recover funds for the government that represent the profits made by contractors who engage in collusive behavior, and to deter contractors from engaging in anti-competitive and or collusive behavior. So Dan, can you tell us a little bit why it is the antitrust division and U.S. attorneys are specifically focused on government contractors and government procurements? Sure, Megan. Happy to do so. In some ways, the high-profile rollout of the strike force at the end of 2019 is really a repackaging of longstanding efforts by the antitrust division to root out corruption involving public procurement. This is something that the federal government has been after for a while, but in conjunction with the strike force and the rollout and these interagency task forces, there's a story to tell for them, and they're making an effort to get the word out. The other thing that makes the government quite interested in government contractors and procurements is that when you have an alleged victim of a fraud or bid rigging conspiracy, and you've got built-in investigative support from various inspector general offices who do have the ability to deploy resources in their investigations, it makes it for a more attractive investigative target. Thanks. Dan, I want to follow up on something you mentioned. Initially, you mentioned that this is something that the antitrust division has been after for a while. So how much do we need to worry about this new announcement, given that the DOJ has already been focused on bid rigging for government contracts? Gail? Well, although the DOJ has historically been involved in prosecuting bid rigging cases involving government contracts, the formation of the strike force represents an expansion and a formalization of those efforts. It also represents a more coordinated effort by the DOJ and other law enforcement agencies and inspector generals to ferret out anti-competitive behavior by government contracts. So now that we know a little bit about what the Procurement Collusion Strike Force is, how will the strike force find its cases? Dan, can you speak to that? Sure. So antitrust division cases come from a variety of sources, and some of them are traditional methods, which are present here as well. One of the key ways in which the antitrust division develops cases is their high-profile self-reporting 
program, which is known as the division's leniency policy, which happens when a company self-reports a violation and has cooperating employees and executives also on board to self-report that conduct to the DOJ. When companies are the first one in the door to self-report conduct, there are enormous benefits to receive under that program. The second is that law enforcement seems to be increasingly relying on whistleblowers who report misconduct through a number of channels, including designated confidential reporting lines through various IG offices. And then finally, procurement officers can be a source of new cases if they report allegations of misconduct during the procurement process. This is happening more and more where somebody will notice something out of the ordinary. We'll talk in a minute about what those signs are, but if there's something irregular that happens during the bidding process, this strike force is going to be training procurement officers in how to report that conduct and what to be on the lookout for. Thanks, Jan. So what areas of activity in the typical government contract company is the strike force going to be focusing on? For example, is this something that will extend to activities such as teaming agreements or others with common collaborations in the government contracting space? Gail? Yeah, teaming agreements certainly could be a focus of the strike force. And although such arrangements can be entirely appropriate and legal, if they're structured improperly, they could also be perceived of as potentially collusive. But in general, the PCSF will probably be focusing on the sharing of competitive information between potential competitors, both informally and at things like industry days and similar events, patterns of contract awards that suggest a prior agreement among competitors to buy up work, bid, no-bid decisions, decisions as to whether or not to protest an award to a competitor, and pricing decisions. And in all these efforts, the strike force intends to use data analytics to detect suspicious patterns. Thanks, Gail. Now, we've heard DOJ state publicly that they have more than 30 open criminal grand jury investigations related to public procurement. Do we have any sense of what types of cases are included among those 30? Megan, we do. Some of these investigations are public and have already resulted in criminal prosecutions. For example, last year, the DOJ announced charges against several DOD fuel suppliers who fulfilled supply contracts for U.S. military bases in South Korea. That case resulted in penalties of over $350 million combined, and that investigation is ongoing. And in fact, our firm has been involved in one aspect of that investigation, which is still going on today. Another recent prosecution brought by the Antitrust Division involves a scheme to rig bids and fix prices at GSA auctions for surplus government equipment. Those are the public investigations, or at least some of the public investigations, but there are several other grand jury investigations going on that are non-public. Our suspicion is that many involve the DOD and other federal government agency procurement offices that do have the resources to root out some of this corruption and some of these procurement practices, but that's just a guess as those investigations remain non-public. Sure. And Dan, are there any other specific activities that you think the strike force is undertaking right now? I mean, other than the obvious grand jury investigations, but are there other activities outside of that? Megan, there's a couple of activities that are front and center in terms of the strike force efforts. One of them, which the DOJ has recently announced, is that that more than 30 federal, state, and local government agencies have already contacted the strike force seeking outreach training and opportunities to work with the strike force on investigations. One of the partnerships that Gail mentioned at the beginning of the podcast involves the Washington Metropolitan Area 
OIG for the, the Metropolitan Transit Authority. We think that these types of efforts, these regional coordination efforts are really what the strike force is focusing on and is going to lead to some further investigations. In addition to the training activity that we talked about, there are the traditional law enforcement investigative activities that the DOJ is pursuing through the use of various law enforcement agencies like the FBI, like the DOD IG offices, such as DCIS and NCIS. And that includes the execution of search warrants, consensually monitoring phone calls, and show up surprise interviews with the subjects of their investigations. Often the DOJ attorneys will accompany the agents on these show up interviews, which can take place very early in the morning, sometimes late at night at a subject's home or place of employment. I also saw a reference to some sort of industry outreach that DOJ is doing there. So Gail, can you explain what the DOJ meant by that, if you know, and what we should expect in terms of the ability of industry to interact with the government on these issues? Sure, Megan. The PCSF has stated that it wants to educate government contractors, trade associations, and public contract lawyers about antitrust violations and the associated penalties. It does remain to be seen, however, exactly how it intends to accomplish this goal. In terms of interaction, as Dan mentioned, the DOJ and the PCSF encourage self-reporting by companies and assumedly would welcome outreach from government contractors who suspect collusive behavior in their industry. And following up on that, what are some of the red flags of collusion that government contractors should be on the lookout for? Dan? Some of this is pretty basic, and I think more easily detectable, and then some of it is concealed. But in general, investigators look for patterns of conduct. For example, is there a rotation among vendors to win particular contracts? Does the winning vendor award subcontracts to the losing vendors routinely? Do you notice a smaller number of vendors actually submitting proposals and going to the finish line with their proposals? Or is there suspicious behavior that indicated that vendors worked together rather than competed for an award? For example, is vendor A familiar with quotes from vendors B and C in advance of the award? I think there's a variety of signs to look out for, but these are just a handful of examples. Thanks, Dan. And now for the question that is probably the most common question that we've been getting, what can a company do now to reduce risk in light of the strike force activities? Are there implications for the company's antitrust compliance or, or other compliance programs? And I'll toss it to Gail first, and then Dan, if you have any thoughts. Sure. Well, one of the important things that companies that do business with the government should start to institute is a practice of documenting in real time all bid, no bid, and pricing decisions, in addition to the rationale behind protest, no protest decisions. With respect to teaming agreements, companies should limit the discussions to the current opportunity and document how the teaming arrangement benefits the customer or competition generally. Companies should also engage legal early in the capture process to ensure appropriate guidance is provided to minimize risk. Finally, companies that do business with the government should ensure that all employees who engage in business development and proposal activities are aware of the parameters within which they should operate. If I could just add to that, I think Gail's points are very important here, but in addition to that, in my view, regular in-person training for the key employees, the employees who are in the field, who are actually submitting bids, approving bids, or participating in industry groups where they're frequently around competitors, those are the employees that require training. And our firm and others do a lot of in-person training, and we think that's the best way to prevent this type of behavior. 
Well, thank you both. That's all we have for today. This is really informative and thank you for your time. To our listeners, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Dan, Gail, or myself. Our contact information can be found on our website at www.crawl.com, where you can also find more information about the Procurement Collusion Strike Force and our Government Contracts Classroom Series. Thank you. The Government Contracts Classroom Podcast Series is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information and additional resources, including upcoming events, on-demand webinars, and videos at kroll.com slash govconclassroom.